0: Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seeking for Friday, November 27th. I'm Carolyn Gonzalez, joined by my co-host, John DeShazer. And joining us today from NFL Network is James Palmer. The day after Thanksgiving, not only the day after Thanksgiving, the morning after Thanksgiving. James, thanks so much for joining us and happy belated Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, right back at you guys. That's why I'm in like the laid back hoodie because of Thanksgiving. Like, you know, this is this breeze a little bit and a little bit better than a dress shirt. After uh, everything we did, we smoked a prime rib. Yesterday did that for flower. So that was, that's our move. We don't go Turkey. We always do prime rib, uh, at the Palmer household. So that's why we're wearing the baggy, the baggy hoodie, because not a lot of people over at the house guys, obviously, but still bought the same size prime rib. <laughs> so I had to take care of business.
0: I too am wearing sweatpants beneath this you know this facade here and I cook my first Thanksgiving uh, turkey by myself it's 12 pounds and I have to somehow consume that over the next week week and a half so uh, I'm gonna have a lot of leftovers guys first before we get into too much football talk because you know that's the boring stuff we have to talk about Thanksgiving first Uh, you said you made a prime rib what were the sides because I need to know what goes along with Thanksgiving prime rib.
1: Well, obviously, to me, the number one thing with your prime rib, you need creamy horseradish sauce. Like, I mean, the prime rib is not working unless you got the creamy horseradish. And then obviously, that's kind of my, you know, your little dip the the meat in there. But then I'm a big stuffing guy, Uh, mashed potatoes. We had, you know, green bean casserole uh, type of situation. But again, it was just, you know, it was a small little group, you know, just just an eight-year-old, me and my wife. So um, it it was, you know, it, it was smaller. I'm not going to lie that I got carry out for the sides, don't tell anybody, because uh, I thought, you know, we're not going to just slave. I'm going to slave, you know, smoking this prime rib, and that's fine. But all these other sides, we can, we got those from a local place, and it was that was, that was actually a smart play during cleanup and in, in, in the process. That's enough. Yeah, that's not cheating at all, James.
2: <laughs> Thank, at all. You. Not, cause, Thank you. Because, you know, my wife and I, we use a friend of mine, you know, I call him our personal chef, and he'll do some of our stuff. You know, he's really good cook. In fact, he did prime rib. We didn't do that. We did the turkey. Okay. We the turkey. We kind of cheated, too.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it. We got it from Popeye's. Popeye's does fantastic oh. turkeys. And so, you know, we've done that the last several times. And my wife did it perfect this time. You know, didn't heat it, you know, too much. And- <laughs> <laughs> Dude, my wife loves
1: Popeye's. I'm not going to lie. Oh,
2: God. They do a fantastic turkey. And so, you know, we did that. Good to know. You know, he did Pretty much the sides and you know it was a nice intimate gathering uh, with my son and a couple of his friends how do
0: y'all feel about people posting thanksgiving plates like the picture of their plate on social media because i feel like it is under so much scrutiny you are now allowing opening up your food to to the entire social media world it's like at the beginning of work from home when we were all judging each other on what was in, in each other's homes now we're judging each other on what's each uh, what's on each other's thanksgiving plates
1: me taking pictures of my food is not a COVID-related situation. <laughs> it, it was pre-COVID. I did it. Uh, you can, It might still be on my Instagram story. Uh, I don't know when people will see this, but yeah, I did take a picture of my plate. Uh, oh, I had Brussels sprouts on there too, which were, uh, which were fantastic. But I, I mean, I... <sighs> Now you're making me question myself, Carly. I mean, like, maybe I shouldn't have done, shouldn't have no, done that.
0: No, I think I'm sure it's fine. It I'm sure it's fine. At you least know. you're not like Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward made a, a turkey yesterday that didn't look looked like anything other than a turkey. So uh, food picks are under much scrutiny. All right, enough Thanksgiving talk. Hopefully everyone listening to this podcast had a happy Thanksgiving surrounded with loved ones, hopefully over Zoom and everyone was being safe. Um, but James, let's get into some football talk. Obviously the breaking news out of Broncos camp this morning. T- one player and two staff members tested positive so the Broncos are not practicing today as of this morning on Friday what do you expect to see from the Broncos over the next few days how much time do you you anticipate that they have to turn this situation around
1: they've been a really interesting team in terms of COVID I mean they're probably the only team I mean they're they're essentially their owner in, in Joe Ellis has had it John Elway has had it their defense coordinator, Ed Donatel, has missed several games with it, was hospitalized with it, still is now in the building rehabbing, but not like rehabbing to get his strength back right now. And he's still not part of the coaching staff, uh, which has actually affected this defense a little bit because he's been with Vic Fangio with so many different stops. But the other part of it is obviously the recent um, positive test. And to me, the most interesting part about it, and, and in terms of X's and O's in game plan, is, is Jeff Driscoll, uh, their backup quarterback, being – One of the guys, I believe, on Wednesday, they yeah, he was no longer gonna practice because he was on the COVID list after Wednesday. So couldn't practice Thursday or Friday. The important part about that is he's the guy who plays Taysom Hill in practice for Denver. He's the guy with the skill set there that they're trying to, you know, as close as you can, emulate what Taysom does. Uh, So without him being able to practice on Thursday and the rest of the week to give them the best look that they feel like they can uh, actually impacts their preparation for Taysom Hill quite a bit. Um, But they've been really good in Denver with all the, you know, positive tests I've talked about. They are very good there about not letting it kind of be an outbreak. That's one of the places where they haven't had kind of outbreaks. They've just had these spotted you know, instances. So the preparation for Taysom Hill has definitely been impacted uh, impacted by it. And with, the other part I should say is, as of right now, Drew Locke was not a close contact to Jeff Triscoe, Because obviously when you have one of your quarterbacks, that's the big talking point, right? Is your starter going to be able to play? But he's been able to continue to practice.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's going to affect game-wise because, as you said, they kind of maintained it pretty well. And I know the Saints had a couple of cases, one being Emmanuel Sanders, and they also mm-hmm. maintained it pretty well. But what have you seen? I guess the, the idiosyncrasies of a Taysom Hill because, as you mentioned, they have Jeff Driscoll attempting to mimic him, but it's hard to mimic 6'2 and 2'30 and running downhill, uh, running a 4'4'4'5 4, 4, 4, or whatever that is that Taysom Hill, the animal, runs. Um, it's difficult to, to mimic that. So, what do, you, what do you see as some of the things that he presents, the problem wise?
1: Well, I thought it was so funny. I mean, I did the game, you know, down in New Orleans against Atlanta. And I think all of us are saying, you know, everybody in the media, it's going to be all run pass options. It's going to be all designed runs. And then the first designed run is, I think, midway through the third quarter. And, you know, he's, you know, he's throwing the football downfield. And that's all the stuff that they saw throughout practice. When nobody else is watching that, that was you know the game plan they were going to go with, and I think that took some people you know obviously by surprise that they were going to go out and not run a completely different offense. I mean, everybody I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of guys on the on the Broncos' defensive side of the ball over the last week, and they're like, "Man, when I watched the film, it, it was the Saints' offense. That's what it was. The protections were pretty much the same. Uh, it was just kind of what they run, and then you put some things in there. Obviously, they added a ton more play action, and I think that's one of the biggest parts outside of the design run. The play action, if he's going to boot after it or what he's gonna do um, in, in that aspect, I think makes things a little bit more difficult. What Denver's gonna to try to do because of the skill set is so unique is try to mix things up. And that's one thing Fangio's actually, you know, pretty decent at one of the better defensive minds in all of football, to where they did this with Tua last week a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of starts under the belt at the NFL level, if you can get really, really late into what you're trying to get into, you can hopefully kind of confuse him pre-snap because they know the skill set there is going to be one that's really difficult for them to be able to handle. They've had so many issues on the defensive line as well that have really, obviously that plays a part in as well. They're down to, you know, hardly any starters on their defensive line outside of Bradley Chubb. So I think that plays a part up front, but they, they've been trying to find ways to get after a guy that there's so little tape on. So they're going to try to confuse him in a sense, because it's kind of a cat and mouse game in that sense.
2: Hey, well, you look at that offense uh, in Denver and they've got a couple of guys who can run it, run it um, and, and, and Philip Lindsay. Um, they chewed up Miami pretty much yeah. on the ground. Um, is that kind of what they're seeking to do now? Just kind of control you on the ground and, not make Drew Locke have to do too many things uh, and
1: and get too risky. That's exactly the game plan, John. And that and the funny thing is that's the way they went into the season. And I think everybody kind of didn't really f- read the tea leaves when it's like you look at the numbers in the, in the in the contract you signed Melvin Gordon to and then you kept mm-hmm. Philip Lindsay and you have a defensive-minded head coach. Vic's plan right off the bat was let's try to make things easy on Drew Lock, a guy who only has 5 NFL starts in his career heading into this season. Let's run the football and play good defense. But the way the games had went, and then Lindsey got hurt in the opener and missed the first several weeks, they've had to rely on Locke trying to throw the football bunch. What you saw against Miami is actually the way they've wanted their season to go. And I think when they don't have Phillip Lindsey, Melvin Gordon's just a different style back. He doesn't work as well, in my opinion, if Phillip's not in the game as well. He has that explosiveness, that game-changing speed. All of a sudden, you know, he's through the hole. That's one of the worst snaps I've ever heard. I think my sleeve was in the way. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Um, and and like he gets through the hole so quickly and changes you know, your field position with all of a sudden he rips off a 20-yard run and something like that. And then Melvin gets to be more methodical and more pound the football. They changed some of their running concepts this past week against Miami and some things that they saw Miami do up front. But they also are finding ways now to adjust their, their run game a little bit because they want to rely on it. They don't want Locke to throw the football uh, you know, 40 times a game. So we'll, we'll see them go out there and try to pound the rock.
0: How much have you seen the growth of this Saints defense because at the beginning of the season it's all we were talking about is the Saints defense the secondary communication problems and now you know you've seen the Saints defense really hit their stride and where at the time that they need it most what's the progress that you've seen from the Saints defense and where do you think they can take advantage of the Broncos on Sunday.
1: Uh, they're going to take advantage of that right side of the offensive line. And I mean, because it's brutal, they're down to their third, fourth option there at right tackle. The left side's better. I mean, I I should say it like from the mountaintops everywhere that Garrett Bowles is having like almost a pro bowl season when everybody has pooped all over the guy for his entire NFL career. But at the, but now he is actually playing pretty well him, him and um, or Dalton Reisner, their, their left guard are playing decent on that side. The Saints defense should be able to get after the right side after Drew Locke really, really well. And, God, I mean, they're not just talented. I, I mean, I talked to a bunch of guys in Denver like, it's not just talent up front for New Orleans. It's it's the constant motor, right? It's the constant just never really being so relentless in, in your pursuit. That with talent is just unreal. So I, I do think they're going to struggle up front You know, with, with New Orleans. I think that's going to be one of their biggest – issues that they have I I think they're going to really have a hard time specifically on that on that right side being able to protect Drew Locke
0: what have you seen out of Sean Payton because or were you even surprised out of Sean Payton last week when he did what he did with Taysom Hill and Taysom Hill's ability to kind of follow Drew in Drew Brees footsteps
1: I mean, that's, that's, is one of the best offensive minds we we, we've seen in the NFL. And And I think when he has opportunities, and I'm not speaking for Sean, but to me, I think when he has these opportunities where it's like, okay, I don't have drew it's time for me to get creative. It's time for, you know, it's time to fall on my shoulders a little bit more. And I think he probably gets excited in those instances. I, I loved last year when we saw Teddy come in for that five-game stretch, but people, I should know, I mean, they play the position pretty similarly, right? I mean, they're, they're very similar in, in the style that they play quarterback. Probably not as much of a challenge for Sean as, as this was with Taysom. And, and I think his offensive of mind and the way he prepares his guys throughout the week Um, that there was, I mean, I talked to Tron Armstead yesterday and he was just like, there was just no doubt in our mind all week because of what Sean does to show us that this is going to succeed. This is going to work. And this is why it's going to work. When you have answers for anything a defense gives you, well, if they do this, you do this. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a one of a kind type of mind. And when you get to see him operate it without the other guy that knows it just as well as him and drew, I think he kind of relishes that fact a little bit. And I think he has a little bit of fun in that, in that instance. And I think, I think we saw that uh, against the Falcons.
2: You know, James around here, we always say, you know, every guy is replaceable. Of course, this is the NFL, everybody's replaceable. And yet, you know, I'll throw these two words and I'll just leave it at this and let you comment.
1: Alvin Kamara. I I mean, (laughs) I would say before, I would say before last week that he is, I mean, you cannot replace him, but then for the first time in his NFL career, he doesn't have a catch. Yeah. Like, and they still dominate the game. And I think that Tron and I were joking around about that. I go, what was it like playing in a game where Alvin doesn't have a catch? And he goes you know what, it shows how many other weapons we have that we didn't even yeah. really need to go out there and play. But with the way he plays and the style in which he can hurt you so many different ways, I think, and I talked about this a lot leading into the Falcons game on NFL Network, I thought Jared Cook kind of put it best when he was like, when, when Drew has nothing and he needs a check down, Alvin's there. You know, if you need a third down uh, converted and you, know, you got to beat a linebacker with your legs for some yards after the catch, Alvin's going to do it. Like, he's, he's the ultimate safety blanket for probably any quarterback, but specifically a guy with, you know, one start now uh, and Taysom Hill, the ability that he has to do so many different things on the field is, is really unmatched. And I think one of the coolest things that were told to me earlier in the year is guys compare him to a Tesla, uh, that he can go from a standstill to just gone in one step, almost full speed. And that ability to just that little crease and that little, you know, game changing ability when nothing's there to make something happen. In my opinion, I mean, he needs MVP love, not just like offensive player of the year. Love. Um, I think he needs to be more in that conversation because what he's doing in the manner in which he does it, I mean, he's on pace to do some, some things catching and, and running the football that nobody's ever done in, in the league before.
2: I'll tell you what that Tesla reference hit home for me because I've heard that reference a couple of times, no. not referring to me, of course.
0: Don't yeah. say
2: it. I <laughs> just like, said okay. not referring to me, but I mean, I knew he was going to go there. You know, I was the opposite of the Tesla. And (laughs) and it's probably the opposite of the Tesla also. You're like an 01 Crown Victoria, JD. That's what you are. A
0: 2001 Crown Victoria, like the little long Don't sleep
2: on the Crown (laughs) Vicks. Yeah. Don't sleep on the Crown Vicks. 100%. (laughs) 100%.
0: <laughs> All right, James, well, we'll let you go. We appreciate you coming on. Fans, reminder that you can watch James on NFL Network's NFL Game Day morning Sunday at 8 a.m. Central or follow him on Twitter at JamesPalmerTV. James, we appreciate your time.
1: Oh, good talking to you guys. And t- Sunday's going to be early. I mean, mountain time, being on that show starts at – Yeah, I gotta.
0: <laughs> You're not going to be guess. wearing – It's ar- an early sandwich.
1: one outside the stadium. I'm not going to be in a hoodie. I'm going to be in much more than that.
0: <laughs> Have a good one, James. You too. Okay, thanks to James for coming on the show today. A reminder to keep an eye on that Broncos situation. I'm sure all of the members of the Saints media team will be on top of it if you want to follow them on Twitter, more namely at John DeShazer on Twitter to follow any updates regarding the Broncos' COVID-19 situation. Again, they canceled practice on Friday because one player and two staff members tested positive. So we'll be following that storyline until the game on Sunday. Happy Thanksgiving, Saints fans. We hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. As I said earlier, a quick reminder that it is Black Friday, and you can get your Saints gear right now by going to the Saints Pro Shop. You can go to NewOrleansSaints.com. On the far right-hand side, you're going to see a link that says Shop. Or if you're on your phone, there's also that same link that says Shop. Or you can go to Shop.NewOrleansSaints.com. Right now, there is a Black Friday sale, 30% off site wide so be sure to go and get your saints gear and gear up for the black and gold and get ready to get back in the mercedes-benz superdome hopefully soon or wear your black and gold on your couch on sundays reminder to tune into dome at home live an hour before kickoff on sunday you can tune in to the game on Fox at 3.05 p.m. Saints will take on the Denver Broncos and we'll have your Dome at Home live an hour before kickoff. So at 2.05, be sure to head to neworleansaints.com or to the Saints Twitter page and watch Dome at Home live. Okay, Saints fans, that'll do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Siki. Hopefully you got all your information this week and you're ready for game day on Sunday. From Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, James Palmer, we appreciate you listening and we'll tune in next week, hopefully talking about St. Twin.